Welcome to another edition of Influence, the global podcast that shines a spotlight on the influencer marketing industry. My name is Gordon Glenister, and among my many roles, I'm the global head of influencer marketing at the Branded Content Marketing Association, which is a professional membership association representing the branded content and influencer marketing industry. But I'm also a keynote speaker and consultant in the sector and soon to be published author on influencer marketing strategy. Now, in this podcast series, you're going to hear from me interview all sorts of people from the world of influencer marketing. But before we start, please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast series just to make sure that you don't miss a future episode. Now, have you any idea what it costs to hire an influencer or run an influencer marketing campaign? Sometimes people just think if I send an influencer some some free product, they'll just post it on their Instagram stories or feed. And sometimes that is the case, particularly if the product is a good match for that influencer and there is value in them doing so. However, more often than not, they'll want some form of monetary compensation. After all, influencers have taken quite a lot of time to build their audiences. So in this episode, we're going to be talking with Mark Dandy, who's the founder of Captivate Influence, about how he works with influencers, what he looks for, and how much campaigns can cost. He's also run campaigns remarkably from as little as £500 right the way up to a million pounds. So you'll find his story very interesting. Captivate Influence is set up as a specialist social media and influence marketing agency. So we specialize in working with influencers to help brands, I guess, perform better on social, uh, create better content, uh, create more engaging content, and then also reach and engage wider audiences. So quite a lot of the things that we do is like, you know, working with influencers to create that content. And then we also work directly with the brands to help them with their social content strategies to help them create better content in house as well. And how old is the business? How long, when did you start it? We kicked the business off in July last year, so um, we're just coming up to nearly that year and a half, 18 month mark. So yeah, it's still pretty new, still in that startup mentality, I guess. But uh, I, I've been in the industry now for about five years, so I've been working with influencers for quite a long time. And you know, through that, we've seen kind of the rise of influencer marketing from what used to be just celebrities posting on social to then, uh, I guess, more regular well-known influencers that had a huge reach to then micro-influencers, now nano-influencers, and then uh, whatever comes next. Yeah, yeah. Well, Joe Public almost, isn't it, really? And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite interesting to see the evolution of influence. The purpose of uh, today's show is really just to talk a little bit about, about what it costs to run an influencer campaign uh, and particularly what it might cost to work with an influencer. Some people that have never done this before, I just haven't got a clue on what that is. So uh, w- what I'm keen to get an idea from you is is, 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 is what approach have you taken with, um, with budgeting for influencer marketing campaign and, and giving brands an idea of what something might cost? One of the first things that we look at is obviously kind of like what platform it is that you're, that you're looking to operate on. So like, you know, is it YouTube, is it Instagram, is it TikTok? And then working out roughly what the brand is, is looking to achieve from that. So are you looking for just awareness and, and views and, and, you know, trying to get uh, eyeballs on your content? Or are you looking for more in-depth conversations and engagement? Is it about conversation with a particular niche audience that you're trying to, to attract? 
you then might also be looking at is a brand trying to just grow their social reach um, and all of those different things factor into what type of, of strategy you would look to, to to work with that brand on then when you're looking to work with influencers there there are various ways and there's obviously there is expensive ways that you can work with influencers and there's inexpensive ways you know usually it will depend on i guess your brand profile as to how well known you are within the market anyway as to if, if influencers are, are likely to know who you are and are, are they more than susceptible to, to working with you because you're more of a well-known brand and they're, they're interested in, in working with you because they'd like to be associated with you and some of that can be working on a, on a gifting basis which is obviously relatively inexpensive you're, you're just sending products out to influencers to to test and try and give your feedback and in some cases you can be lucky and they'll uh, you know, they'll start creating content for you because they're just really impressed with the product or service that, that you have. You know, sometimes the, it depends on how you, when you say value in terms of, of ex, like, you know, whether a campaign is expensive or not, is that you, you have to put a value on your time as, as a brand and, and as a team that when you're looking to work with influencers. And a lot of your, let's say, investment is done up front in terms of, you know, making, I guess, relationships with these influencers and, and trying to get to know them and understand them and learn a little bit more about them and, and build that relationship up. To which then when it does come round to the, the time when you're actually looking to uh, engage a campaign, they are then more likely to create content for you if it's a gift or, you know, go the extra mile on a, on a paid campaign or, you know, make sure that there's, there's extra deliverables in there that is obviously a benefit to you and, and also a, a benefit to them. And that can come in, in various different shapes and sizes. We always try and look at you know, how a brand can track ROI. And that will be based on cost per views, cost per engagement, cost per thousand impressions. And then also looking at conversion and whether influencers have actually you know, managed to convert into sales and what that's then generated and, and so on. So obviously it really depends on what the brand is looking to achieve from the off as to what you would then track as ROI. But there are, you know, various ways of, of setting up a campaign for whatever your budget is. I've worked on influencer campaigns with as little as £500, and I've, I've worked on influencer campaigns that have been over a million. Quite expensive, yeah, sometimes. But, uh, you know, depending on how you would look at that, did the brand achieve its objectives? Yes. And so, therefore, it was a, a, a campaign worth doing. Presumably, though, you're going to, you're somebody that's approaching you for the first time and has had no experience in working with influencers, they'll not know what to put into that budget they'll not know necessarily what it would take um so what would you advise them to where to start with so um, we're going back to just what i i said as to regards to building relationships sometimes it is worthwhile just trying to find influencers that really align with what it is that you're trying to say as a brand and, and what you're trying to to, to achieve the way I describe it, and it's always an interesting one, is that influencers are sometimes treated as a bit of a billboard or as a media spot, media buy. But one of the closest things that I see influencers as is it's almost like recruiting someone to, to work for you. It's, it's like having a, a conversation as a, as a staff. You know, within that, there's obviously going to be a point where you can look through as many CVs as you want and you can start, you know, saying, oh, well, you know, that CV has got a degree on it and this one hasn't and so on. And you can start filtering through depending on what specific kind of look, things you're looking for. But then at some point, you're going to have to have a conversation with that person. You're going to have to sit down. You're going to have to talk and see whether your viewpoints are aligned, whether they fall into that role that you're looking for them to do and whether it's something that you think is going to work well within you and your team. A lot of that investment is done up front with influencers is really trying to find that right fit. And that just costs time. It doesn't 
cost any 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 money. Um, but that just costs your, your time in trying to, to find those right people. With that, you would then probably, if that influencer is aligned with you, is that no expectations of content, no expectations of, of, of any deliverables, but just say, I'd like to send you something just so that you can see a little bit more about the brand. You can see, you know, the products that we're producing. You can look at the quality. You can look at the, I don't know, it's a, a clothing item that fits the field, of all of those things. And just give us your feedback because, you know, we're, we're a growing brand. We're trying to learn about what our customers want. And you've got an audience that represents the people that we're trying to advertise to. So getting your feedback and understanding what it is that your audience thinks would, would be uh, really beneficial to us. And if you've gone about building that relationship in the right way, that's just a natural kind of next step to that conversation. And there doesn't have to have been, you know, money that's changed hands at that point. I think sometimes brands tend to rush into that stage where it's a, hey, we've never met and uh, I really love your content. I want to send you something. And, uh, you know, if you can post it for us, that'd be brilliant. Thank you very much. Or, hey, we've never met. Uh, how much do you charge for a post? Um, great, thank you. <laughs> and there's, there's never really been any of that relationship building done in advance that would a probably save you money in the future and and, uh, and b you know you're going to get probably a, a much better buy-in and a much better quality of response from that influencer in the first place so the biggest investment really that, that you need to make at the start as a, especially as a small brand but even as a, as a big brand is just that time to get to know your influencers in the same way that you would get to know someone that you're looking to employ to, to work for you and really try and build something around that so let's just assume then that somebody hasn't got that amount of time and they really do just want to invest in a, a, a you know in a, a company like yourself and they, they've got money to spend because the reason why they're using an agency or a platform is to is to circumvent that time um, but they don't otherwise have uh, so let's just say they've got ten thousand pounds but really not necessarily a lot of detail behind the brief they just want maximum reach uh, against that deliverable what happens next we would look at that and then try and find the right influences that, that match that brand so i think sometimes if you're looking at it holistically if it's not your time that's being invested it's then ours so you'd still have to pay us to go and do that search for you so sometimes you would look at that budget and you would say right okay how much of that is then earmarked to the, to the influencers and then, then how much would you we would then take uh, average fee for, for us to work on it on a campaign for influencers usually starts around about 1,500 2,000 pounds ish and um, give or take depending on the amount of influencers that we're engaging the amount of stuff that we're working on the amount of contracts we have to produce and all those things that can scale obviously if you start working on massive campaigns but on average that's probably around about the ballpark of what we're talking about we then look at maybe in terms of just some rough idea from the brand how many people are you looking to reach with, with this or how many pieces of content are you are you looking to, to gain from this and then we start to work backwards from that so we would look at influencers that are within that particular vertical and then find uh, influencers that are averaging above standard engagement levels so for example it might be that your average engagement rate is 3% so we would start from there and try and find influencers that are above that level because what you tend to find with engagement rates is economies of scale in the fact that once you start finding influencers with really high engagement rates you're actually finding that your average cost per engagement starts to come down so when you're working with a brand that maybe has a, a a £10,000 budget as a ballpark and if we were to spend all of that £10,000 on, on influencers you would roughly say your average cost per engagement is depending on the vertical but let's say it's fashion between 10 and 20 pence ish 
on some campaigns that I've worked on, managed to get it as low as two pence, three pence sometimes on, on really successful campaigns, but on average, probably 10 pence. This is based on Instagram, isn't it? Uh, yeah, Instagram customer engagement, yeah. So then with that, we would look at your brand um, and then say, right, okay, you know, you're looking at, you know, roughly 10 pence cost per engagement. You've got 10 grand, so it's 100,000 engagements. And so from there, you would then look at what's the total engagement rate from that. So you would then, again, work backwards. So if that's an average of 3% engagement and you've got, you know, 100,000 engagements on that, then it's about 3 million in reach. And then, you know, from there, you would then say, right, okay, for that £10,000, we will reach roughly 3 million people. And then from there, we'll get roughly 100,000 engagements and then work out from there, you know, where you're going. And then from that, the brand might say, right, we're happy with that. That fits within our model just as to where we, we roughly want to be. Let's try and find the right influences. So presumably there are times when people will not necessarily know what they're going to get from it. And I guess nor do you always it's just um before a campaign goes it's it is a bit like a crystal ball isn't it i'm guessing that in most instances you're going to advise a client whether they they think that they want 10 micro influencers and a mega influencer or what what do you think is the good a good mix if you had again going back to that ten thousand pound budget and it was just let's just say for argument's sake it was a fashion brand um, what would you say would be a good mix? It can be a bit of a difficult one, really, because you're always trying to figure out what's best for the brand. And sometimes if a, if a brand doesn't exactly quite know what it wants to achieve or what it wants to get or, or, or where it's coming from to begin with, it can be really difficult. And sometimes, and, and you, you might even look at it as talking yourself out of a job, but influencers aren't necessarily always the best place to start. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's better to bring them on kind of a, a little bit later in, into the uh, into your marketing plan because you've, you've got other things in place uh, that can really then start to help you. Um, and a lot of that earlier marketing in terms of your, let's say, Facebook advertising spend and things like that will then start to dictate where your brand is going and then maybe it will help you then start to, to understand what you might want to achieve from an influence campaign moving forward. Sometimes when we sit down with brands and uh, we'll see, you know, you, what, what is it that you're, that you're looking to achieve? And they'll say, you know, we want to reach millions of people and we, we want to uh, have sales skyrocket and, 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 and so on. You think, right, okay, yeah, it happens sometimes, I guess. But then we might look at a brand's social media and then say, right, okay, you want to achieve all this, but you've got 3,000 followers on Instagram yourself. You look like a, a, a much smaller brand. Once an audience maybe sees you online, the first thing they're probably going to do is go to your Instagram and have a look at your profile and what it is that you're doing and then see quite a small brand. And that, that can be their very first touch point of, of, of you um, having seen the influencer and then, you know, clicking through to you. So then from there, we might look at, you know, what content is a brand putting out themselves? How are they sharing content? And then we might say, right, okay, maybe let's just park the let's go massive kind of range. And then you let's start working with much smaller influencers to get you as much content as possible to start filling out your own Instagram with lifestyle imagery that people can relate to and uh, can see something that they're going to resonate with when they land on your page. And then ultimately that should then start helping you grow your own followers and then start, you know, to build a more, I guess, I don't want to say legitimate because that is that maybe an unfair word, but I, I guess in some people's eyes, there's always social proofing in terms of looking at a brand on social and then, I guess, being drawn in by a big following number because it's, it's social proof in that other people are interested in this brand and, and, and so on. So I guess it does in some ways make you a more 
legitimate propositions to a new audience if your content is right and that you've got you know a really good content range and that it's exactly what they're looking for to then maybe then go on and engage and follow you and so on so we might look at that to start off with and that might be not what the brand came to us for it might be a case of they wanted to suddenly start driving traffic to their website and everything and, and, and growing their sales um, and then we're not quite at that level yet and, and we want to do some some more assessment it may be that they do a lot of content that's shot in-house and it's ecop content for example and we know through lots of user testing that uh, when someone sees a facebook ad for example they're much more likely to click and engage if it's uh, user-generated content than it is if it's shot in our ecom content so it might be a case where we do a very small test where we we work with a few influencers to say, can you just take some content for us? We really want to use that imagery in our pay media and then just do some some small testing on that. Look at look at that as a starting off. And I think some people would look at just using influencers as a mouthpiece for the brand to put that audience out there. Whereas what we're now seeing more is that content creation side of things and then how that will give you options more on a, on a creative sense to, to use influencers there. And, that can now be quite a, a new touch point for brands to get in at a more cost-effective, what I'd say maybe lower level, where they can just experiment with a few things and then start to build up from there. So that's sometimes where we start, is that you don't necessarily get a clear brief. You know, we'll then look at where they are, what, what, what it is in, in, in their funnel. And sometimes it can be as basic as their website is really slow loading. And so like an, an influencer could come in and send hundreds of clicks to, to the uh, to the website and to, and to traffic but then it never converts and then uh, the brand might be saying well these influencers are rubbish nobody bought anything it's like actually they did their job they sent traffic to your website you didn't convert it um, it's not an influencer's job to convert that traffic once it gets there that's your job <laughs> and then maybe sitting down with the brand and saying look this isn't a job for us yet like you're, you're not quite prepared to, to be there let's work on some other things and we're not a web design agency or anything like that, but, you know, maybe we can help you put you in touch with a few people that can help you out in that, in that respect. And, uh, yeah, sometimes it, the conversation doesn't go as easy as kind of like A to B to C. It's A and then Z and then <laughs> There's lots of variables, isn't there? Presumably then, when you're looking to uh, acquire and work with influencers, they're all at different rates. So there's an element of negotiation there. Um, and what what impacts whether or not you work with an influencer in terms of, I mean, let's assume that there's similar numbers of followers. What's the sort of thing that will impact the cost? I guess in some cases it's content quality. In other cases, you might get a similar amount of engagement. But what's the what's the sentiment around that engagement? What's the quality of that engagement? A, a conversation's happening. Is there? Uh, you know, recommendations within the comments is the influencer answering questions and, and that type of thing, which is more of a community sense as opposed to just hundreds of likes and then a few kind of like, wow, you look great comments. And then it's just kind of like, what was that? <laughs> um, and so, you know, that, that does play a part. You've also then got to, to look at, I guess, yeah, you will have a look at the reach. You'll have a look at the follower numbers. And if one influencer has got 100,000 followers and is charging, 200 pounds and then another influencer has got 100,000 followers and is charging 2,000, then there's going to be a, a quite a large a disparity there. And you'd be looking at, you know, is it worth me paying extra depending on those other factors? Is the quality of content good? Is the quality of engagement good? Is that where that, that extra cost is? 
and in some cases it, it may be true and it may uh, might actually be worthwhile investing in that quality and and then in some cases there isn't that much difference and it's just that people just have very very different valuations on their own worth and what their time is worth and, and what it is that they want to, to get involved in so we have to navigate that as, as best we can and obviously as, as well as, as type of agency we are we, we don't manage talent so uh, we're not obligated to get good rates for talent or, or anything like that we work for the brand so it's always the brand's interest that we have at heart to make sure that we get the best possible price for them but yeah there's lots of factors that go into to, to influence the pricing and it really isn't that clear how to actually price them in any kind of fair metrics that is fair to both them and to brands uh, in, in the same way. I think there is a sense of us versus them when it comes to influencers and, and, and there shouldn't be. Obviously, you want to be able to, to work together and come together creatively to, to, to make sure that there's value on both sides. But obviously, there is obviously going to be a conflict of interest in the fact that they want to get paid the highest amount for doing the work and brands want to pay the lowest amount for doing the work and how you, you find that, that balance. I'm also assuming that that a lot of brands also want to feel that they're uh, they're fair um, and not discriminating against. Um, I mean, there's this you you'll be aware there's a there's a there's an increased amount of exposure in this influencer pay gap um, uh, hashtag that's that's developed where um, some of the uh, influencers have been putting their rates uh, anonymously on the account. Uh, and it's actually sort of caused quite a few waves of, of concern that some people are not being paid proportionately because they don't know what the going rate is. And I just wonder what your view about that is. I think the problem is with that one, I've got a lot of views on this and I could speak for hours on it. Personally, I'm not a fan. And it, there's a couple of reasons. The first one is that it is anonymous. And, you know, a lot of what is in the inherent value of, of this is that the, the level of content that is being produced. Um, and the quality of content that is being produced. If you're not willing to put that up for debate as to how good your content is, then it's very difficult for me to say, well, that was that was worth paying an extra £500 for. <laughs> I think that there's a lot of, uh, you know, like we were discussing before, it might be that you have two people that have got, you know, 100,000 followers each, but that in terms of what they're actually producing and doing, what they're talking about, who their audience is, how relevant is your audience to what I am looking for. So you might have 100,000 followers. You might have 100,000 followers. I'm a fashion brand, for example. You've got one girl here with 100,000 followers that takes amazing content and is doing more, I guess, lifestyle imagery is more related to everyday outfits, outfit inspiration, get ready with me, styling videos, that type of stuff. Got another girl that's on 100,000 followers, kind of similar in terms of fashion. But hers is more focused on evening wear, going out, party wear, and, and that that type of stuff, and, and so on. In likelihood, and I might be stereotyping a little bit, and maybe it's a bit unfair to some, but what you tend to find, especially when looking at audience demographics, is that the everyday wear is usually a very high percentage of female UK followers, which is obviously what we're targeting. When you're looking at uh, going out outfits, party wear, and things like that, you then start to kind of, especially for very pretty girls, a lot of men start following those accounts because they're curious and interested and like following pretty girls on Instagram, which is, it happens. Whose audience am I more willing to pay for if I'm a fashion brand targeting female UK audience that is, is, is more apparent to meet that demographic? Within influencer pay gap, those two are the same. I can't judge. I can't judge on content. I can't judge on audience. I can't judge on 
you know, quality of engagement. So I think the, all of the conversations around that is a little bit of a dud when you're not really putting your content out there for debate. And then secondly, I think that it, it doesn't always work in everyone's favour when everybody is discussing their rates. I think sometimes that, that is personal to you as to what it is that you're willing to do. Yes, in some ways, there maybe should be a little bit more of transparency in terms of what where the rates are. But I think that should probably more come from the brand side um, in terms of them maybe putting out what it is that they think some content is worth or engagement is worth and so on. But then the problem is really is that every single brand will value that differently. And so you're never really even going to get consensus on the brand side. But usually in any work environment, I wouldn't walk into an office and say, I get paid this much. How much do you get paid? Course, How much do you course. get paid? How much do you yeah, get paid? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, the only, th- the only thing I was just going to say, just, just to add to what you said, is that, um, uh, that there are uh, benchmarking salary documents out there in various industries. And uh, whilst, whilst um, I think the, the, the reason for my initial question was to try and give some guidance as to, as to brands or companies that have never used influencers before. And, you know, do they pay £300 a post? Do they pay £3,000 a post? And, you know, the, the, the challenge is with so many variables, I'm guessing the, the inexperienced could end up paying a lot more than those that are more experienced. Yeah, and uh, I mean, there, there used to be simple ways of measuring it. It was a case of you would say uh, an influencer should charge 1% of their following. You've got 100,000 followers, you charge a grand a post. But that, that was a very simple kind of measurement that, that came about in the industry a couple of years ago, three years ago, maybe. And, and there are still influencers that use that metric to, to, to today. I, I think that that's a bit too simplistic because there's so many factors that are involved in, in, in influencer marketing these days is that, you know, it's not about reach anymore. It maybe was three or four years ago when everyone was obsessed with following numbers, but we're more focused on engagement and quality of content these days than we are on, on following numbers. So just charging by your, by your following doesn't tend to work. You've then got, if I said that your industry benchmark, again, is... 10 pence cost per engagement to 20 pence cost per engagement somewhere within there you could say okay i get a thousand likes a picture 100 pounds and then that's again you can look at that and i personally would tend to look at that more usually or whatever if i'm if i'm looking on an influencer campaign and i need to find 10 influencers for that campaign i'm probably speaking to 30 40 influencers to get an understanding of rates and availability and you know if anybody just is interested in working with the brand once that starts to be said back, I can then start to look at, well, what is my average cost per engagement that's coming back from all of these influencers? Where is the market right now? And then you can start to filter through there and then you can look at, well, do I want to go top end? And does the top end correlate with top content? And you then start to, to work out your margins in between. So again, that's something that, that I would look at um, and try and try and understand. Um, other brands might measure it based on cost per impression or cost per 1,000 impressions. And then might turn around and say, well, on Facebook, I get £6 CPM or £10 CPM or something like that. So then they, they look at that as a benchmark and then try and, I guess, track that to, to influencers. But then you're not getting the audience buy-in of actually having someone with authority speak on a subject. And I guess you lose the influence bit <laughs> out of it, to which, then, to which then your CPMs might be double. You might be paying £20 CPM or something like that. And does that then fit? within the benchmark so those are a few of the ways that i would look at 
could you have an idea of, of where to place this? But at the end of the day, quite a lot of the time, it just, it just, you just need to go out there, find your target audience, speak to 50 influencers if you only want 10. You'll get a very good understanding of what the rate is within that particular market at that particular time. And then you work out what you are and will, will, willing and what you're not willing to pay. Mm. Have you ever got involved in global campaigns where the rates are going to be different for um, like American influencers or German influencers? I've literally just been doing one recently and pitching for it. The, the rates in America are probably three, four times higher than they are in the UK. So they've been doing it an extra few years. They're a lot more established. You've got most of the influencers that I would say are at the top tier of influencers are all managed. So you're paying a premium because they've all got agents that obviously want to, I guess, be paid for their services on top as well. And so, yeah, you're, you're usually paying a, a much larger premium in America than you are within the UK. And I think it's the same, Mark, in, um, in China. Um, I'm sure that it's quite a premium in China as well because there's, there's less of them, but they're much bigger in terms of scale. Uh, yeah, and there's obviously a lot of different metrics uh, within China and different uh, social media services. And I guess to, to within all, all due respect as well, you, you've probably got a lot of Western brands trying to enter a Chinese market with no understanding of how that market works, how those social platforms work, uh, cultural sensitivities, um, any of those things. And I think in some ways you are then paying a premium for local partners to help you then service your needs in that market um and so in, in in most cases quite a lot of the expense on an influencer campaign especially in china is working with partners that understand the market as opposed to just going in and asking a chinese influencer what it is that they would charge for, for a certain post because you might think that you're getting one thing and then getting something completely different because the social platforms are lost in translation and you, you don't understand, you know, what it is that you're actually buying. So a, a lot of the payments and influencer marketing within China is the local expertise, really. And, uh, we found that. I know that a lot of influencer marketing is, is based around uh, Instagram, but just talk briefly, if you will, about uh, YouTube, um, because, again, that's uh, a different um, metric applied here in terms of cost. What should somebody be looking to... Um, find youtube influencers be looking at it's more expensive to play in the youtube market than it is on instagram and, and it's mainly because obviously a lot it's a lot more time and effort to produce a youtube video than it is an instagram post even i i see it personally myself like if i was going to take a picture and put it on instagram it takes not a lot of time at all i can i can very quickly just take a picture on my phone if i want to be smarten myself up a little bit i can maybe chuck it in lightroom do a little edit and then and then post it on instagram and that is you know it's okay on youtube if i was to film a youtube video um i'd need to you know set up a, a space i'd need to set up my camera i'd need to then uh record it all i'd then need to edit it all i'd then need to like you know do all the seo research and everything like that so it actually appears in searches um and all of those things so with that obviously there's a lot more effort applied to, to youtube than there is to instagram you're paying a premium for that time a lot of the time as well, when you're looking to work with YouTubers, it tends to be more at a, at a premium scale for that level of content. So not only are you then paying for all of that content to be produced, but you're then paying for it to be produced at a significantly higher level than, than you would be. And the influencers that are performing to that level have invested in 
extra equipment to help them do that. And again, you're paying maybe a premium for better cameras, better lighting, better like all of these things that these these people have invested in to then create that content on your behalf. So that is factored in as well. And then again, as, as mentioned before, depending on the industry that you're working in, uh, if you're looking at fashion, lifestyle, beauty, your cost per view is probably hypothetically four or five pence, maybe roughly. Um, if you're looking at like family, mummy bloggers, travel, that type of thing, which is a little bit more niche, probably nine, 10, 11 pence cost per view. So it's not a case of, well, they've got hundreds of thousand subscribers. It's going to be X. It can vary quite, quite wildly within that sector. So on that front, uh, you mentioned sort of niche. Um, that's where you can create a lot of value. And sometimes you, you, when, when you look at somebody's audience that might be significantly lower, but it's got a really tight niche, uh, it could be really, really, it could be quite expensive. But of course, it's if, if you've got a brand that fits ideally with that influencer, then it's a it's, it's worth paying for, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like for example, I don't know if you're a, a, a brand that makes top level fishing rods, uh, it's likely that you're not going to find hundreds of thousands of uh, top level fishing influencers. <laughs> um, whereas, and you know, the, the the top person in that market, oh, hypothetically, I don't know. I mean, the top in fishing, I mean, it is a little bit more competitive. But um, you know, they, they, your, your top people might start at a hundred thousand rather than starting at a million, five million, ten million. You know, they might be within that range. But what you're getting from that point is someone that is that is an expert in their field, is a, is an authority on on what they do. So. You know, if you're looking for someone to give you fishing tips or equipment tips or something like that, you're probably going to look for someone in that vertical as opposed to standard lifestyle influencer that decided to go on a fishing trip one weekend and vlog the, the, the opportunity. Um, if I'm a fishing brand, the vast majority of people that might follow that lifestyle influencer occasionally might go, oh, actually, yeah, I do fancy a fishing trip. That would be nice. But they're not going to invest four grand in a fishing rod to do it. They'll pop along or whatever, and they might be more interested in the location than they are the equipment. Whereas if you're following a top level, you know, influencer that is, that is absolutely dominant at fishing, you're obviously going to be a lot more interested in, in what equipment that they're using at the time. I'm in the market at the moment for um, upgrading some of my own camera equipment. Um, I'm taking photography a lot more seriously and uh, creating video content a lot more seriously. And I'm looking at camera lenses and, and, and things like that. At the moment, in doing my research, I'm looking at some of the, the top photographers and videographers like on YouTube at the moment for lens kit examples or, you know, camera examples or um, what settings are they using on their cameras? What editing software are they using to get this, this style of, of, of content that they're creating? because I've got an interest in, in that market. Like, I'm not so susceptible at seeing someone wearing a, a nice outfit on Instagram and being like, oh, I like that jacket, I'll buy that. But in terms of the long-term kind of research, in terms of high-level purchases, um, if I'm going to spend a £1,000 on a new camera, you can bet your bottom dollar that I've, I've watched 30 YouTube videos all around that camera from various sources to find out what the consensus is. You know, that's a, a much more in-depth, experience of, of understanding more about a product or a service or something like that through working with influencers on YouTube because it's a much more lengthy, I guess, buying process from watching a 15-minute video than liking an Instagram picture. And again, that's, I think, why there's, there's obviously a premium to, to paying for, for that on, the, on YouTube. Also, just to, to point out as well, is that on Instagram, your average lifetime of a post is around about 12 hours. 90% of the people that will see an Instagram post have probably seen it within the 12, 12, 15 hour window. 
YouTube is forever. As long as that video stays there, it's evergreen content. So I can go in and I can search for something and a video might pop up from two years ago. If it's relevant, it's relevant. And you know that content is constantly being fed to me. So a lot of brands, I think, sometimes can be a little bit impatient um, and say like, oh, what were the results of our YouTube campaign in the first two weeks? And then you might look at it a year later and be like, you do realize that like that campaign now had an extra million views since that two-week period that we reported on it. But it's just onto the next, onto the next. There's, there's, there's so much long-term value in YouTube, which is worth in, investing in. But for smaller brands, I wouldn't always recommend it to start off with because the buy-in is, is considerably higher. If, if you were looking at, you know, doing a very small level Instagram campaign to test, you could do that with a thousand pounds. If you were looking at doing, you know, a small level kind of YouTube campaign to test, I probably wouldn't even recommend it unless you have 5,000 pound plus. It'd just be a waste of time because you're not going to get a, enough data. You, you might pay one YouTuber 1,000 pounds and make more than that back. That's perfectly feasible. But in terms of being able to have enough data to understand what it is that you're working with, spot trends, and then be able to analyze and, and, and repeat, you would struggle to do that unless you were constantly reinvesting that budget over time. This podcast is supported by the Branded Content Marketing Association, promoting the value of influencer marketing globally. That's it for another edition of Influence. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show and give me your feedback, uh, feedback at influencepodcast.net. Or you can also follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram or Twitter, where you can also ask me a question about this episode, any of the previous ones or what you'd like to hear about in the future. Thanks also to my producer, Neil Whiteside from Freedom One. And until next time, from me, Gordon Glenister, it's bye for now.